This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, August 27th, 2023. Road Trip, Jonah. Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. How about at home? Okay. It's a great day to be part of God's kingdom, don't you think? Let's give God a hand for this, right? Yeah. Yeah, what a great day. So um, this is our fourth week on the road. Uh, first we were with Jacob and then with Joseph, and then last week we traveled with Ruth. Today we're traveling with Jonah, who like Ruth has an entire book in the Bible named for him, and, and likewise has, it's a four-chapter book, four book, just four chapters long. But unlike Ruth, Jonah was less than loyal literally running away from his responsibilities, running away from God. So, so let's get started both on the ground and off with Jonah. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a couple birthdays in the house. Missy Hall, happy birthday. Kyle Mueller, happy birthday. Anybody else? Any others? Well, we are so grateful that God created you guys so that you could be a part of us here. And thank you all for joining us. We are honored and blessed. And our mission is to connect people with Jesus and the new life he offers. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that You've made an every day as a gift. Help us never take for granted uh, each day and, and one another. Lord, we are grateful that we are a church called Connection and that our mission is focused on you. We thank you. Settle us in right here online, wherever we are, so that we can glean something from this message found in scripture that we can take and apply to our lives. We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. Um, so when we finally open our book to the, uh, our Bible to the book of Jonah, we find it right there amidst the 12, what they call minor prophets, the 12 minor prophets. And that includes like Hosea, Amos, Micah, Zechariah, Malachi, Joel, maybe you've heard some of those names, and there's a few others. There's 12 altogether. And that's because Jonah was a prophet. Prophets, as we said in the intro, there are people um, who, to whom God gives a message to share with the people. And that's what God did with Jonah. The difference was, Jonah didn't respond quite the way the other prophets responded. So let's take a look at Jonah chapter 1, beginning right at the first verse. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Uh-oh. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. 
After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So what we find here is kind of what I would call a, a standard prophetic call in the Bible. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Very similar to other prophetic calls. The word of the Lord came to Joel, son of Pethuel. The word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Beri. The word of the Lord came to Micah. You get the point. You get the point, right? It's kind of a, it follows a pattern there. And so God shares with prophets what God wants people to hear. Not what we might want to say, but what God wants, what God's plan is, what God wants the prophet to do. And in, I would say, all cases, it's not an easy message. It's not a feel-good kind of thing, although there was some encouragement, but mostly God's using these people to share something extremely important. So God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach against it. Can I? God called Carrie to Connection Church to preach again. You wouldn't want to hear what I'd have to say. No. God's aware of the wickedness in what's happening in that day and time. And so it's not unusual for God to give a prophet a very tough challenge, especially when things are not pleasing to God. God needs some correction and uses the prophets to do that. So a little background on Nineveh. Nineveh was the most important city in Assyria. And within 50 years, it would serve as the capital of the entire Assyrian Empire, which at the time was, was huge. In the Daily Study Bible series, scholar Peter C. Craigie shares that excavations uh, conducted since the 19th century in this area have laid bare the splendor of this place it's with palaces and works of art and great libraries. And, and the ruins have pointed uh, as I said, to a once great city. Unfortunately, the moral character of the city was anything but great. <clears throat> the first verse in Jonah boils it down to a single word, wickedness. And my footnote in the Life Application Bible um, takes it from that, and, and, and we look at the, at the prophet Nahum, who has a book uh, where he talks. And, and in that book, it gives more insight. Nahum tells us that Nineveh was guilty of evil plots against God, exploitation of the helpless, cruelty in war, uh, idolatry, prostitution, and witchcraft. <laughs> this is some place. Some place. It's a very dismal and bleak picture. Another footnote in our Bible points out that at that time, the Israelites, and that includes Jonah, they hated the Assyrians, and they feared their atrocities. They were afraid of them. They were the bad, big, bad country, the big, powerful place. And the hatred was so strong that Jonah didn't believe that God should show any mercy to them. He was afraid, actually, that these wicked people would repent and then they would receive God's grace. And that's just not fair. 
Or right. Or right. That's exactly. So this reflected Israel's reluctance at times to share God's love and mercy with others. They thought they were the chosen people and they had a corner on God and God's mercy and God's grace. So here we have this book of Jonah and we find that God is concerned about all people. All people. Divine attention has no limits. I want to say that again. Divine attention has no limits. And this shows that this massive metropolis of wickedness, these self-centered people, they matter to God. So with this in mind, instead of going 500 miles northeast of Nineveh, Jonah headed in the opposite direction. He was getting out of there. He was not going to this place. And so he boarded a ship that was sailing to Tarshish some 2,500 miles to the west. Boy, he was really trying to get away, wasn't he? <laughs> Far as possible from the people that God had assigned him to. It's always funny when we try to run, from, run or hide from God, isn't it? Yeah. And Jonah found that. The Lord sent a violent storm. Many of you know this story. Threatening the ship and those on it. The sailors each cried out to his own God. They're, they're covering a lot of ground here, aren't they? <laughs> All different gods. And as they threw cargo overboard, lightening the ship. And this whole time, they're all frantic. They're, and he's down below deck asleep. And here's what happened next, Jonah 1, 6-7. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of, a notice of us so that we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for the calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. <laughs> Well, it appears that they relied on their superstition to give them an answer. And while their system worked, it was only because God intervened. God had the plan all along. And God let Jonah know that he couldn't run away. And so uh, these sailors asked, why the trouble? Who was he? Where was he from? What had he done? And he told them he was a Hebrew. He worshiped the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. They already knew he was running from God. He'd already told them. And they asked him what they needed to do to make the sea calm down. And Jonah told them to throw him over into the sea. That's how bad he didn't want to go to Nineveh. <laughs> throw me over because the storm was his fault, he said. Well, they didn't want to throw him overboard. There was some decency in these people. And so instead, they tried to, to row back to the land. But what happened was the sea grew wilder. You see, God was doing something big. They cried out to the Lord God, asking that God not let them die for taking this man's life. They were really concerned about this God that they didn't call their Lord that's pretty interesting. 
but they threw him overboard. And when they did, the sea grew calm. The sailors greatly feared the Lord, the Bible said, and offered a sacrifice to him and made vows to him. It seems that they saw what the Lord, who the Lord was, and they probably turned from their, I'm just, this is a carry thing, but it appears that they turned from their little G-gods toward the God of the mm. universe. Mm. And they were more concerned with the outcome than, than Jonah. Yeah. For this God they just discovered. Crazy. Jonah 1.17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I'll bet that was a long three days and three nights. Long night of the soul. This is the part of the story that especially many of us are familiar with, right? Yeah. Jonah and the whale. Or the fish, to be accurate. You know, back when this story was written, I don't know if they differentiated from fish and mammals and whales. and You know, I, I, I think they just called this guy a BHSC. A big honking sea creature, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, and swallowed him up, and, and Jonah was in his belly three days. Imagine that. Whew, three days. So what we see here is a downward progression. It starts with Jonah going down to Joppa to get on the ship. And then he was asleep down in the hold of the ship. And then they threw him overboard and he went down into the water. And when he finally got into the water, he went down into the belly of this fish. Down, down, down. How far is it where we have to go before we hit rock bottom? All the way. Mm. We often, unfortunately, tend to hit that rock bottom before we find redemption. And so it was with Jonah. Jonah 2, 1 through 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. Prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. The current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Mm. But you, Lord my God, brought me up, brought my life up from the pit. Say that, up from the pit. Up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Can, could you go back to that slide? Can we say that whole thing together? But you, you Lord, Lord my, my God, God, brought, brought my, my life, life up from, from the pit. pit. When my, my life, life was, was ebbing away, away I, I remembered you, Lord, and, and my, my prayer, prayer rose to you, to your, your holy, holy temple. temple. Yeah. Gosh, wow. 
Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, Jonah says, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I love that picture up there. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Man, can you picture that? The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The Lord beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. You know, this may be Jonah's prayer, but I'm claiming it too. How about you? How about you? This is a great scripture. Some scholars acknowledge that it could be a foreshadowing of Christ in this book of Jonah. Think about this. Jonah was in the, uh, for three days in the fish while Jesus was three days in the tomb. Jonah was brought up and vomited on the beach so he could offer God's redemption to the people of Nineveh. Jesus was brought back resurrected from the dead in order to offer God's redemption to all people. Hmm. Jonah 3, 1 through 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It appears that God's given him a second chance. And it's virtually the same wording as the first time. You didn't get it right once. We're going to give you another chance, Jonah. Here goes. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Notice he keeps pointing out how great this city is. It's a great city. It's just not a good city. Great, but not good. Go to the great city and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the God, uh, the word of God and, and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Three days to walk across this city. That's how big it was. Jonah, uh, uh, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's some good news. Hello. And here's the interesting thing. These bad, wicked, horrible Ninevites didn't kill him with that message, but instead the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed in all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And so Jonah obeyed. He went to Nineveh. We're not told he was thrilled or happy, <laughs> but that he obeyed. And as Alan said, it was a big city. It took a long time to get there. And when he got there, he gave God's message. They had 40 days before the city would be overthrown, overturned, and they took God seriously. 
the way they demonstrated that was by putting on sackcloth, that's like burlap, you know, taking off their nice clothes and putting on burlap, and they fasted. They refrained from food and drink, and even the king participated. He covered himself in sackcloth, and he humbly sat in the dust. Wow. And he decreed that the people should do the same, and they should not eat, including their animals should not eat. That's how I think concerned and worried this king was about what was going to happen, and he wanted God to see that they were repenting from their evil ways. The king decreed everyone that everyone call urgently on God. When was the last time you urgently called on God? Giving up their evil ways and their violence. Perhaps God would relent and turn from his fierce anger and toward the people so that the people would not perish. Well, when God saw that, that's exactly what God did. God just wants our hearts. God wants us to repent. God wants us to turn away and turn toward. And that's what these people did. And he did not bring destruction to Nineveh. And what a time of celebration. What a time of praising God. Because God is the God of second chances. We see it right here. Jonah, uh, fourth chapter, one through three. <laughs> this Jonah guy's a killer. <laughs> but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to foresaw by, by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my, my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. <laughs> He's a piece of work, isn't he? So Jonah, Jonah knew God's nature, and so that's why he ran away. He didn't want this to happen. He knew that God would relent. He knew that God would forgive, would show mercy and grace to the people of Nineveh if they repented. He was so full of hatred, he just could not let it go. It consumed him. So much so that he said, I'd rather die. That's some pretty strong hatred, wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he pouted. Jonah went out and sat down east of the city. He made a little shelter for himself and sat in its shade. Can you picture this guy just hunkering down? Lip out. Poo-poo face. <laughs> waiting to see what would happen to the city. The Lord provided a leafy plant to give Jonah shade and comfort, which pleased Jonah, of course. It was about Jonah. <laughs> but the next day, the Lord provided a worm that chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun came up, it blazed on Jonah's head, and he grew faint. And Jonah again said it would be better to die than to live. <laughs> so this is how Jonah, the book of Jonah, ends. Jonah 4, verses 9 through 11. 
But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? They were lost. And also many animals. Mm. So ends the book of Jonah. That's it. Kind of abrupt. But it gets our attention, doesn't it? So let's unpack this a little bit. It's as if the Lord is giving uh, Jonah an object lesson here. God compared the plant to Nineveh. If Jonah could feel sympathy for the loss of a plant he did not cultivate, how much more should God show sympathy for for Nineveh? 120,000 people that are created in his image. Not to mention the animals there. Jonah. It's a four-chapter book of the Bible in the Old Testament. We learn a lot from this, these four chapters. We learn that from the people of Nineveh, they were so far from God. They were evil. They were wicked. And yet, and yet, Say, and yet. And yet. Yeah. And yet, our merciful God gave them a second chance when they repented. Ooh. God heard their cry for mercy, and God is a God of mercy. He was so merciful. That's our God. God of mercy, a God of grace, not giving us what we deserve, but loving us and caring for us. And it's that unconditional love and grace that we can't do anything for, but just receive it as a gift. But it's important to recognize where we've been and who we are in Christ. Do you sometimes wonder how God can love you and forgive you after some of the things you've done? I know I do. How can God possibly love me? How can he forgive me? But the miraculous thing is, God does. He does. He loves us in spite of. Say, in spite of. In spite of. You know, there's nothing we can do that can push us outside of God's God's sphere of forgiveness. Nothing can push outside of God's sphere of forgiveness. God created you. God cares for you, God loves you, and me, everyone in the world, everyone, even the ones who don't care about him. That's pretty hard. You ever tried to love someone who doesn't care about you? That's not an easy thing to do. Even the ones we don't care for, God cares for. Figure that. (laughs) Because God loves and cares for everybody. They've all been created in his image. They've got all got a, we've all got a spark of the Creator in us. 
He cares so much, he took human form and came to earth so he could talk with us, could walk with us, could laugh with us, could cry with us, and most importantly, share with us. Share our hopes and dreams, share our joys and our sorrows, share our smiles and our tears, share his life sacrifice for us, for you and me, and, and, and for everybody else. You know, we all, we got to admit we're sinners, amen? It tells us right there in Romans 3.23, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. So we all have to admit it, we're in need of a Savior, and we can't save ourselves. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. We need to repent, Scripture tells us. That means not just to be sorry, but to take and repent literally means turn a new direction. Not keep doing the same old, same old. Going new, and we need to believe. We need to believe. We need to believe that Jesus is the one who's here to save, who died to save us, who gave his life to save us. Jesus is the Savior. And, and the thing is, once we know that, once we believe that, then we need to share it. Just as Jonah was called to share God's love, we're called to share who Jesus is who he is, what he did. Not because that saves us. That doesn't save us. We're saved. <laughs> but because that's what God calls us to do. <laughs> like Jonah, we're prophets. We've been given a mission from God. And that's to share our love of Jesus Christ with others. Share them that they need a Savior. And that Jesus is that Savior. And unlike Jonah, we're not supposed to turn and run, but we're supposed to turn and share. We're supposed to turn and share. Even with the people from Nineveh. Even with the people from whatever your Nineveh is. <laughs> And that's because Jesus is just too good to keep to ourselves, isn't he? It's too good to keep to ourselves. We need to share him. We have to share him. Amen? Amen. That's the good news. <laughs> let's live it and let's believe it. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for this story in Jonah, these four chapters that are just packed with, with uh, somebody who might look a little bit like us. God, there's a lot of places and spaces that you put us. It might be in a workplace. It might be in a cubicle. It might be somewhere in the community. It might be in our home. And it feels like Nineveh. Lord, I ask your, your power and your strength to be made known to those who especially need it if they're in Nineveh, like those of us who believe, and help us bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit 
with kindness and compassion and patience and love. And perhaps things like that, those kinds of fruit, just might get the attention of someone who's in that far, far place. And their hearts just might be drawn to you. That's your desire, that all of us would be drawn to you and would come into a saving relationship. My Jesus, thank you. Let us share who you are and whose we are. Help us not think that we have to overcomplicate it. Just say it. I was here, I was lost, and I'm found, and now I've got hope and peace like none other. Thank you for the opportunity to gather, to learn about Jonah, to sing your praises, to be in fellowship with one another. Thank you for our church. Lord, unify us in our mission. Thank you. In the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.